Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jordan, and I'm the director of community life here at Eastridge. And uh, we get to dive into God's Word together here for a little bit. We're taking a break from our series on Elijah, uh, which has just been a, a lot of fun, that series. Uh, I love when we get a chance to kind of dig into the Old Testament and see some of the, the dynamics and kind of the wild and colorful characters that we see in the Old Testament. Not always what you would expect, uh, but ultimately getting a chance to see how God has been working through uh, His people, the people that He's been calling out um, and, uh, and, and revealing himself to us. But today, uh, we're going to be uh, having a, a very special Sunday, one that uh, I am really excited about, and it is called Community Life Sunday. So uh, if you've been here at Eastridge for a while, you may have heard this term, uh, community life, being you know, mentioned here and there. You may have mentioned me saying I'm the director of it, and you might be scratching your head, okay, what exactly, what are we talking about, community life? What, is it, what does this mean? Well, community life... Uh, the, the, the best definition I could come up with is this right here. Community life refers to the variety of ways that we as a church and as a church family encourage, challenge, and grow each other in our faith. All right, so let me just say that one more time. Community life is the variety of ways that we as a church family encourage, challenge, and grow each other in our faith. That's what community life is. All right, and you can see from that definition that, well, that, that's pretty broad there because there are many things that could fall underneath community life in many ways, actually. Everything that we're doing at our church should fall into, a into, into one of those categories there. It's broad, but it needs to be something that we are being intentional about as well. So, uh, but today we're going to be kind of talking about uh, two specific ways, a couple ways, where uh, we look to kind of help to foster and grow and make space for community with each other, a Christ-centered community. Not just community for community's sake, not just, oh, we've got some common hobbies, we've got some things that we enjoy doing together, let's do that, but no, a community that's centered around who Christ is, has Christ at its, at its heart, and from there grows and uh, as, as people engage with Christ and engage with each other. So, um, as I was preparing for this Sunday, uh, I was praying quite a bit, and, uh, and I was asking God, is there, is there a specific passage that you want me to just to, to kind of launch off with this, um, asking God to, to, to reveal if there was something specific that he wanted to, to, to say uh, from his word. And um, what was really awesome was that in that process, he actually brought a passage from Genesis to mind. Um, and we're going to be taking a look at that here in just a moment. Uh, but this passage in Genesis really kind of gets to the heart of how we are made. And, and picture this, if, if I were to ask you, what is it that was missing from the Garden of Eden, what would you say? If I was to ask you, you know, God had spent, you know, his, his time creating this perfect place, but then realized, wait, there's something that's missing from this perfect place. Well, in Genesis 2.18, let's open that right now. It's, I think it's up on the screen behind me. Yes. Um, 
In Genesis 2.18, says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, that's a small verse right there, and you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. But I want to I make sure we get the larger context here. At this point, there has been no sin that's entered the world. The garden is in its perfect state. God has, you know, filled the earth with all the animals that are going to, you know, the land, the sky, the sea, all these things are teeming with life. He's called, he, he's, he's brought forth vegetation, beautiful lush forests. He's, he's set the, the host of, the, the heavenly host in place, planets, stars, the cycle of the day and the night, and all of these things are in place. He even has, has created what would be the crown jewel of his creation, a being that is made in his own image, all of these things have taken place, and God says, there's something missing here. Even in this perfect state, something is missing. It is not good that Adam is alone. Relationship is missing. God and Adam have a perfect relationship between the two of them, but still something is missing. There isn't anyone that Adam can relate to on his own terms as a created being. Adam is alone, and that is not good. That is startling when you think of the perfected state of what the world is in at this point. Right? So, I, I, I just pose this question to you. If you are alone, it doesn't matter how good your job is. It doesn't matter how many beautiful things you may be surrounding yourself with, whether it's, um, you know, out in the garden or if you've got lots of pets. And I love pets, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if you're surrounding yourself, it doesn't matter how, how, how purposeful all of those things might seem and might be. The reality is we aren't living in the Garden of Eden. We're living in a broken world. And even in the Garden of Eden, that aloneness, God calls it out. Not good. So, we see right at the beginning there of Genesis how God calls this out. And then we start to see this thread that goes continues on throughout the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see how communities start to build up, how families start to come together. Um, and, and, you know, this is not an easy thing. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on, the challenges that come along with community. And the Bible makes, makes minces no words on that regard either, the challenge that comes along with it. But we see throughout the Old Testament as families come together, tribes are formed, people groups are formed. Um, and then as we go into the New Testament, of course, we see how Jesus gathers a small community around him of disciples, but then he also has others that follow him uh, that are ministering to, to his needs and to the, to the needs of the ministry, different men and women that are, that are engaged in this. And then, of course, we get a chance to see in the book of Acts, I would encourage you, if you want to be if you want to be encouraged by what community looks like, start reading in the book of Acts as you see this small group begin to explode 
as the gospel is proclaimed and as lives are transformed, and then these pockets of people start to gather together in cities all throughout Asia and Europe, and they're gathering together, and it gets to a point, and if if you look at history, it gets to this wild point where those small pockets of people begin to be seen as a big threat, and ultimately what comes crashing up against them? The largest empire in the world, and what breaks? That empire breaks. Because as Dwayne just mentioned earlier, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. That's what we're talking about here. All right? Now, for the next little bit, um, instead of me just kind of trying to, to, to unpack and, and lay out different examples of what all these things look like, what I uh, want to do is we're going to be highlighting kind of two areas of community life um, for, for that, that are available, that are possible here, and the ways that we, again, look to foster that life of, of community uh, together as a church. So we're going to be looking at what is called just group life, which are, you know, men's ministries, women's ministries, young adults, uh, life groups themselves, which are our, our small groups. We're going to be kind of getting a chance to talk about that. Uh, but instead of having me just, again, explain what those things are, I thought it would be really, really powerful to have someone come up here and join me. And Chad Partridge, uh, I'll invite him up to the stage. And, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Chad has been uh, a member of our church here at Eastridge for about six and a half years. Prior to that, you know, he's been a believer for, for many years, and God has, I would, I would encourage you, uh, if you get a chance, uh, to connect with Chad and hear some of the, the awesome ways that God has been using him um, and that God has challenged him. And uh, uh, I'll just mention real quick, hip-hop group, I'll even throw that out there. Um, maybe don't ask him about that, that right away. That was a long away. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just these awesome ways that God has been using him, but all throughout that, you know, reinforcing with him the importance of this Christ-centered community. So I would love, Chad, thanks so much for joining me up here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, the floor is yours. I'd love to hear. Um, yeah, so when Jordan first asked me, I did say interpretive dance as well, but he wouldn't join me in it. So yeah. you don't want to see I decided that. you didn't want to see either one of us <laughs> dancing. But uh, yeah, when, when Jordan sent me an email and, and asked if I wanted to share a little bit about community life and life groups, um, at first I was like, no. I don't, um, because I'd have to get up here and talk. But then, um, as I thought about it, over the last 20-plus um, years that my, my wife and I have had the opportunity to serve in different ministries, um, my wife, if you don't know, is Katie. Um, and it just kind of struck me how powerful of an impact that life groups have had in my life. And, you know, as we go throughout different things, different challenges, different opportunities, or whatever it is that come across in our lives, we realize that community and life is so important. And one of the things in 1 Corinthians that uh, Paul says is that we're one body, but we're many members. And in life groups, we get this, op- this really great opportunity, even though we have different perspectives, um, we have different gifts, there's different things that are going on in our lives, we get to come together and we get to grow together, we get to challenge one another, we get to learn things from one another, which is just incredibly awesome. And not only that, is especially through this journey called life, there's so many different challenges. And just for an example, I wanted to share one with you guys. My, my wife and I have three kids, two boys and a girl. 
And uh, one of our sons struggled with, a, with an illness for three plus years, maybe even longer, might have been in four years. And it was a really trying time in our, in our life. It was, we couldn't get answers, there was many tests, there was uh, many doctor's appointments, um, and it was, it was great because we got a lot of the big things checked off that weren't, weren't wrong with him, which was fantastic, but we weren't getting answers and he wasn't getting better. And to be able to be in our life group during that season and to see God's hand work through the individuals in that group and just come alongside of us and strengthen us and walk with us, um, I don't know if it would have been as easy or it wasn't really easy, but I don't know if it would have been as great of a process if it was just us isolated alone. And especially right now in this time um, with everything that's going on with a pandemic, um, we can feel isolated, we could feel alone, we could feel fearful. And being able to be around other believers and to gain strength from one another is priceless. And so, and it's not just, it's not just the challenges either. Um, it's also walking through the different victories that we have um, through life together. And what was great is in our life group, we were able to come together and walk through the valley of our son being sick and then come out the other side with him getting better and God doing a work there. And just being able to take from start to finish that process with a group of people is amazing. And it makes it so that when you see the different challenges that happen in other people's lives in your group or even around you, um, it challenges you to come alongside of them, to be the shoulder that they need when they're going through a challenge, or to celebrate those, those victories, whether they're small or large, whatever they are, but to come together as a group and to really see God move together. And I think um, we've been given just this awesome gift in Jesus Christ. And he is the compass for our life when we're in relationship with him. And it's amazing that he didn't just do that because that was enough. Mm -hmm. But he gave us each other. He gave us the ability to come together, to learn from each other, to grow from each other, to cry with each other, to pray with one another, to strengthen each other. And when Jordan asked me to share, and I begin to think about how Life Group has impacted me, and there's so many relationships, not even in this Life Group that we're in right now, but in the ones that I've had the opportunities to lead, starting from when um, I was a leader in high school ministry, all the way, all the way through. And, and to have some of those friendships um, are priceless, and I still have... I still have a couple kids that were in my life group when I was 20 years old um, that I am in contact with and that we still do life together. Um, they live in different, different states, but we still are in contact and we still get to grow together. And it's such an amazing gift to be able to do that. And I think it's one of the cornerstones of church. It's one of the cornerstones of making the church strong is us coming together. And Probably the biggest impact that it's had on my life is that it's challenged me every day to be a better man, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better friend, um, to just pick up my cross and follow Jesus and walk with somebody along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's probably been the biggest impact for me in my life, in life groups. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. 
Um, I just, I did want to ask a couple questions as well while I've got you up here. Mm -hmm. um, and I know from the times that we've talked before and even from what you're talking about now, one of the things that you have seen within small groups, uh, again, you know, whether it was like, you know, th th this isn't something that is exclusive to Easter, that Easter has some kind of corner on. This is, this is Christ, right? This is Christ. So this is, you know, in those groups that you were leading before or, or the one that you're a part of now, uh, is the way that that type of group life can actually begin to, to reveal and highlight different gifts that people have. And, and then within that, they're able to kind of start to, start to develop or express those gifts that, 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 that God has given them, the Holy Spirit has given them. I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit of how you've seen that, how you've maybe experienced that yourself or seen that in others. No, absolutely. Um, I do not have a gift to sing like my wife does. <laughs> um, so that's definitely not my gift. Um, I, I would say that my gift, I'm more of a Barnabas to a Paul. I'm an encourager. I'm really good at coming alongside of people and encouraging them and walking through life with them, and that's kind of my gift. And I think for a while I struggled with kind of finding my place at church because I, I wanted to share my gift, but I didn't really know how. And when I was younger, getting involved in a, in a life group and, and starting to see how God would play that out and work that out through my life was really pretty amazing. It was pretty eye-opening and helped me to understand my purpose and, and why I was here. Um, and so, yes, we all, have, we all have different gifts. Some of them are up here to speak or to sing. Some of them are hospitality. Some of them are serving. Some of them are encouraging. But what's great about life groups is that you get to see everybody's gift. It's like you get to share with one another and you get to see those things highlighted in different people's lives. And it's really an encouragement because you get to see, especially if you can spend a decent amount of time with somebody, you get to see God kind of move through them and work on that gift and sharpen that gift. And then in turn, you realize that they're sharpening you in the midst of it. And so it's just, it's just a really good example of the body of Christ, different members, different pieces of the body, all working together for one cause. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so... If someone came up to you and they, they told you, you know, I'm thinking about joining a life group, but, you know, I'm still not, I'm, I'm on the fence a little bit, what, what, what would be some, maybe something, some advice or something you would, you would encourage them with? Yeah, I, I would say if you can, find a group that fits you, whether it's um, a life group or it's a men's group or it's a women's group, start somewhere and find a group that fits you and, and jump in with both feet and be willing to share, be willing to listen, be willing to be vulnerable a little bit with, with somebody and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Or, hey, I, I think God showed me this. What do you think? Or just, you know, being willing to jump in with both feet and say, God, I'm in. I want to grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking that, that first important step and, and looking to be committed off the offset. All right. Chad, thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan. Really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks, brother. Um, yeah, let's, let's give him a round of applause. It is, it is, uh, it is a daunting thing to, to, to come up here and speak. Uh, for those of you who've done it in the past, you know, uh, so just want to thank you so much uh, for coming up here, Chad. Um, now, that's just kind of a little bit of a snippet of looking into kind of the life group ministry and the group ministries that we've got going on here at Eastridge, but there is another way that we are, are looking to, um, 
encourage, and, and maybe the, the best way for me to say it is, is to create a clear pathway for this, because um, what I'm going to be talking about next isn't something that we are starting here at Eastridge, because it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's going in many different ways, in subtle and quiet ways, through all the different ways that the church um, interacts with itself, and that is discipleship. So right now, we're going to be also creating a clear pathway for those that maybe aren't as connected here at Eastridge, or maybe you've been connected for a little while, to say, I am interested in discipleship. You might hear that word and you're going, hold on a second, like that's, uh, that's one of those Christianese words, and I'm not exactly even sure the totality of what that might mean. I'm a little, uh, no thank you, not right now. Okay? But let me, let, let me put it to you this way. Discipleship in its simplest form is helping someone to follow Jesus. That's what it is. If you are helping someone to follow Jesus, you're discipling them. If someone is helping you to follow Jesus, they're discipling you. Right? But it's on a smaller kind of more intimate, one-on-one connection, maybe, maybe one on maybe a smaller group, but that's what discipleship is right there. Um, and this is something that all of us as believers are called to. Um, uh, Matthew 28 uh, is where Jesus kind of gives his final, um, his, grand, his great commission to his disciples. And let's just, let, let me just read that for us here. It says this, then the 11 disciples, actually, I got it right here in my Bible. I prefer to read it from my Bible if I can. All right. Um, Yeah, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus uh, had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We see there right, right there, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations. How, are we, how do we do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. This, is, this isn't something that is just relegated to a specific group of people. This is what Jesus is telling his followers that are gathered there. This is, there there's, a, there's a sense of mutual responsibility that goes on there. Um, there's a, a D.C. pastor named Mark Dever who uh, says it this way. Um, he says, the Christian life is the discipled life and the discipling life. Yes, Christianity involves taking the road less traveled and hearing a different drummer. But not in the way that Frost or Thoreau meant. Christianity is not for loners or individualists. It is for people traveling together down the narrow path that leads to life. You must follow and you must lead. You must be loved and you must love. And we love others best by helping them to follow Jesus down the pathway of life. Do you see that mutual responsibility that he's talking about there? He says you must follow and you must lead. You must love or you must be loved and you must love. You must be dependable and you must depend on others. That is at the heart of discipleship. 
So, um, again, instead of having me kind of just talk through the, the, maybe the nuances of what discipleship looks like and how that might play itself out, what I, would, what I really want to do is invite uh, Michelle Westover to come up here. Um, and I've gotten to know Michelle uh, over the past couple years being here on staff at Eastridge, and I have seen in Michelle um, just a deep passion and a love for uh, discipling and for the community that's here, the church family that's here at Eastridge. And uh, Michelle's been here for, I, th- I want to say you said 19 years, and, uh, and incredibly, within almost that, almost that entire time, she's been a part of kind of the same life group, which is amazing. Um, and uh, and w- when you think about that, and, uh, and I just love, thank you, Michelle, for, for being up here, and uh, I'd love to hear what, uh, what God has put on your heart to share with us. Hi. <laughs> um, theme here, uh, when Jordan asked me to speak, I also told him <laughs> no. <laughs> um, speaking in front of people is not my gift. Uh, but uh, Jordan is right. I am passionate about community life, and I'm passionate about connection. Uh, I have experienced the love of being connected with people in, in the body here and the growth. And so for me, um, I desperately want everybody here to have an opportunity to experience that as well. Um, with speaking not being <laughs> my uh, gift and knowing that we could be up here for about an hour while I rabbit trail, I'm actually going to read what I prepared so that um, I stay on task. <laughs> Um, I've been, I have been in a life group for 18 years, multiple Bible study groups, and blessed with friendships in the church of people who have encouraged and challenged me. All of these relationships have helped me grow as a follower of Jesus. The longer I follow Jesus, I see value in the world less and in him more. And this shift is not a result of my own strength, but instead a result of his grace. And as I focus on him, he changes my desires. He's changed how I love He's shown me the value of authenticity over masking. He's given me the desire to give more of my gifts and time. He's given me the desire to forgive myself and forgive those that have hurt me. And he's given me the desire to be brave in knowing who I am and whose I am. Um, He's given me the desire to be here right now. I'm talking to you guys all about your legacy of discipleship. So um, as Jordan said earlier, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a disciple. And we are a body of disciples, not created to live life on our own or to even try to grow in Christ on our own. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, there's a story about friends, four friends who take their paralyzed friend to see Jesus. But when they arrive at the house, the house is full, the doorway is packed. And so they take him to the roof, they create a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend down. Um, So for me, I always get stuck at this part of the story. I'm a house has to be clean kind of person, and so this bothers me a little bit personally. Uh, I usually focus on that, but if you read, read forward and can get over that into verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. So he was healed not because of his own faith, but because of the faith of his friends. And so in thinking about that, think: are there times in your life when you're struggling with your own faith? or you struggle with making time to be in the Word, if you struggle with praying or to see past the circumstances that you're currently in, I still struggle with all of those things, and I've been a believer for 22 years. We're living right now in a time of extreme isolation. There's uncertainty, there's depression, 
There's sickness and disease. Marriages are struggling. Our children are hurting. There's a lot of lost connection right now. And so if you relate to any of these things, you're not alone. We are all in different places on our walk with Christ, but no matter how far down the path we are, it's easy to veer off of that path. If you want connection or if you have a desire to go deeper into God's word, there are brothers and sisters in this congregation that would, are willing and would like to meet one-on-one -on -one with you. So make the decision today to open the door to relationship that will grow into friends that will bring you to the feet of Jesus when you can't get there on your own. I've had the privilege um, of discipling others, like Jordan said, and I've seen God restore relationships, um, find his lost children, comfort the hurting, and I've, I've sat with people just through really tough stuff that there aren't necessarily answers for. And I'd love to share those stories because of the impact that they have on my walk, but the truth is they're not, they're not my story to tell. So instead, I'm going to just share an experience that I've had over the last six months in the hopes that um, it will encourage you. In August of last year, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and as soon as I got those results, um, I immediately called my family, my biological family, and my church family, because I knew I was going to need their faith to get through that process. I um, am just going to share a few ways that I was discipled to during that six months. Um, first and foremost, I was prayed for, and sometimes I was physically exhausted, sometimes I was focused on the details the next steps or what possibly could be around the corner, and sometimes I was just emotionally checked out. These were the times when the prayers of others literally just carried me through. Um, my son uh, did my grocery shopping for several months because I was uh, limiting my exposure to other people to make sure that I got treatment. He was my constant helper and errand runner. I have a, a friend um, in her early 20s who's in college, and a couple of weeks after I uh, had my diagnosis, I received a box from her, and it was filled with 14 little gifts and a card with each one, and each card on the front said, open this when, so one of them said, open this after you've, after you've cried. One said, open this uh, when you are just t exhausted and tired, and so that gift carried multiple different times and days. Inside each card, was a note of encouragement from her and a Bible verse that she pointed me to. And so that college student, who had very little time because she's in college, <laughs> um, sent me that box that carried me through several months of just discipling me and pointing me back to Christ. And then I have friends who know my faults, so instead of asking me if they could bring a meal, they just called me and told me when they were bringing meals. <laughs> so discipling someone can take on many different forms. It's not a program. Um, it's as individual as the people who are, make up this church. Um, it's just intentionally bringing God's love to somebody. It's taken me years to get to a space to allow others in my life. I started 18 years ago when my husband and I joined a life group here. Um, and, and also the first time that a woman invited me into her home to have lunch with her. So if you don't have those relationships, I just encourage you to start today. My last comment is for those of you that are already in life groups and um, already have intentional relationships. Um, I mentioned earlier that I've struggled with authenticity versus masking, and um, I've struggled with not wanting others to see my weaknesses, my challenges, my faults. And the truth is, is that I've, I've feared that if I let people too close, they're actually going to see the parts of me that I don't even like. So I suspect many of you struggle with that as well. And so if you're in a life group 
uh, if you have strong friendships, you probably have those friends that would carry you to the roof and dig the hole out and lower you down. But if you're not sharing your struggles and if you're not being authentic about that, they're not even going to know that you need that. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> very, very powerful. Yeah, just thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Um, one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you about, because I know you're passionate about this as well, um, and, it, it, and it all is linked together, is there's often this sense that someone might have where they go, well, I just don't, I'm not, I don't think I can disciple somebody else. I don't think God has gifted me that way or or, or God has, has, I just don't know if I know the right words to say, and they start to start kind of putting these roadblocks up. Um, what, uh, what would you say qualifies someone to help lead or disciple someone else? Some of you ain't going to like this answer, <laughs> but if you follow Jesus, you can disciple. And uh, we're all on different paths. Um, some of us have different gifts. Um, there are a lot of, I, I think, lies that we believe about if we can get this much Bible knowledge or if I could feel comfortable in this situation, then I could disciple. But the truth is, if you're a follower of Christ, then you've been called to love each other and to disciple each other. Um, ideally, my dream would be that every person here has a one-on-one -on -one relationship with somebody and that as new people come into the church, that they're is a, a bountiful number of people that can step in and help them. So um, I would just say, don't overthink it. You don't need that list of qualifications. You can love somebody else and you can walk through next to them, with them. Sometimes you're the leader and sometimes you're the follower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and last, last question would be, it, again, if, if there was somebody that connected with you a little bit, and they were saying, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking about maybe stepping into a little bit more leadership. I maybe feel the Holy Spirit kind of pressing that on me, uh, feel a stirring there. Uh, what would be some advice that you would give them, um, knowing the, the years that you have been grappling with this, and, uh, and what would be some advice that you would give them? That that nudge is the Holy Spirit is the first advice that I would give you, so it's important to pay attention to that. I think uh, secondly, I think that the blessing of discipling is that it's not about you, that you're not in a position where you're trying to teach somebody to do what you do or to be like you. You're really just pointing someone else to Christ. So it takes the pressure off of, off of us. Um, I, I think that would be the advice that I'm giving. It's about, it's about walking towards Christ with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that sense of that sense of we, 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 we look to shoulder the burden, and we look to shoulder everything that needs to happen, but as you're pointing out... And we can't. We can't. No. <laughs> we can't, and it's Christ that has shouldered that burden. It's Christ that can shoulder that, so let's continue to point to Him. Michelle, thank you so much you. Uh, for being up here. Uh, let's give a round of applause um, again. <laughs> uh, really appreciate both. Michelle and Chad, and, the, and I know the, the time that it takes to kind of put your thoughts together to look to communicate and then to be sitting up here uh, and, and getting a chance to share. But man, what, those, those glimpses of, of how God is working in the lives of 
different men and different women here at our church. And I know these, these are just two stories. There are many other stories of, of connections and relationships that are going on, of discipling that's happening. Uh, but the reality is, and as has been mentioned a few times already, right now we are living during a time where we are really told to do the opposite of many of this. We're told to, to isolate ourselves. And, and I'm not up here saying that we are, as, in the, as Pastor Graham was saying, we're not throwing caution to the wind here. There are a variety of ways that you can get connected with different people here at Eastridge. There are, as Michelle said, men and women here at the church that have said, I would love to meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Just let, me, just let me know who it is. Just, just, just let us know. Um, and so what we've done is we've created uh, a pathway for that to be possible. Uh, there's some uh, community life cards that are on your uh, seats there. Um, there's a way for you to let us know by responding on there. Um, there is, for those of you watching at home, there's, there's going to be a slide coming up uh, that allows you to, to tell us how you uh, would like different ways you'd like to get more connected, more information, whether it's life group stuff, whether it's one-on-one uh, -on -one discipling. And again, there's a variety of ways to do that. You know, socially distance in person or doing it online. Uh, whatever, whatever way you're comfortable with, there are men and women here that would love to connect with you. So there was a, a beautiful uh, illustration that I was... Uh, that I came to be aware of, and actually it was from a conversation with Michelle. Uh, and sometimes there are, there are things in nature, and you know, being in the Pacific Northwest, we love nature, right? We love to get outside. Well, some of you do. Most of you do. Um, maybe some of you, I mean, like myself, I was, you know, well. Anyways, but regardless, there is there's this beautiful image of redwood forests, Right? And one of the things that I didn't know about redwood forests is that the roots from those giant sequoia trees are actually really, really shallow, but what they do is they're interconnected with the other redwood trees that are around them, and that would, that's what keeps them standing up. So these giant trees that are the tallest and some of the most strongest in the world have shallow roots but those roots are connected to each other, and that's what keeps them standing. If there's, a, if, there's, if there's a giant redwood on its own somewhere, there's a chance the wind is going to blow that down because of the shallow roots. But when it's within a grove of trees, within a forest of trees, there is strength, a lasting strength that's there. And again, I just want to point out that it's not about the fact that those roots are interconnected. It's the fact that those roots are first planted into the soil of Christ, but then that we don't give in to the temptation because the temptation is strong. <laughs> the temptation is strong to just sit back, to just, for lack of a better word, consume our church, maybe consume little snippets of churches here and there, but the reality is we have no connection. We don't have a home church. So my challenge for all of us this morning, first thing is this, commit to a home church. If you're here and you don't have a home church, or if you're watching online and you don't have a home church, Eastridge, we would love to be your home church, but God has blessed Portland to have a lot of Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches. Commit to a church, but don't just 
Commit to that church. Get connected in that church. Reach out. Look for ways to connect with other believers. And then here comes the challenging part. Do the work. This is not, this is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's, it should be no surprise to us that the story of Genesis and how relationship is important, and then we get this first family, and what, what's the first thing that happens in this first family between the two brothers? Somebody gets murdered. I'm not saying that's going to happen, by God's grace, but all that to say, this is hard work. It takes a day after day kind of mentality. It takes a rootedness in Christ, and it takes a commitment to each other. So, I would encourage you, don't sit on this. If you are alone, even if you were in the Garden of Eden, that's not good. Don't sit on this. All right? So, there's also going to be a slide up as far as getting ways to get connected. If you're at home, you can use, uh, there's a cool little QR thing on there that'll take you to that uh, community life card. And, uh, and again, these are just pathways and opportunities for you to let us know so that we can start to get further connected, root ourselves to each other, and root ourselves to Christ. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, What an incredible challenge. What what a difficult season we are in. Think of the words that Pastor Dwayne said, that this is a chance for us to rise up. And that is so true. Holy Spirit, I know that you are working in our lives and in our hearts. Father, Give us the strength, give us the courage to respond. Any lies that the enemy is trying to tell us about, we don't have the time, I just don't have the margin, I just don't have this, I just don't have that. Father, help us to just cast those aside. Help us to cling to the victory that Jesus has accomplished, but then also follow his lead as even he, your son, had community around him. We need this, Father. Give us the strength and courage to respond. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. There will also be an offering slide up uh, for ways to, to give your offering as part of our worship gathering here as a body of believers as well. Um, Look forward to continue worshiping together.